You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't venture out on Hallow's Eve night. A witch is waiting to give you a fright. She likes her children shy and sweet and nice and plump and ready to eat. Tonight, I'd like to share some experiences that have been sent in to me by our listeners. And our first report says, I saw three long parallel bleeding scratches that went down my back. And our witness says, my Halloween experience occurred in 1998 when I was living as a student in Salford. I was in my final year at uni, I was age 22. My housemate at the time, Jim, invited me to a night out in Manchester, just a few miles away from our student gigs on Earlham's of the Height, which is about a mile from the area where Deborah saw her eight man. My friend said there was a midnight viewing of The Exorcist at the cinema, and I reluctantly agreed to go. The film was a little scary as I expected, but I got through it. I got home in the early hours, around probably 3am. By that time, I was just feeling a little tired. I don't really remember much of the night, to be honest. I think I just went straight to bed. It was the next day that the strangeness occurred. I got up that morning as usual and had a shower. And it was then I realised something must have happened to me during the night. As the hot water hit my back, I felt a strong, stinging sensation. I finished my shower and as I dried myself, I looked at my back in the bathroom mirror. And to my horror, I saw three long, parallel bleeding scratches going right down my back. I remember thinking, how on earth have I done that? I had no recollection of doing it to myself. I don't really know anyway how I could have drawn blood by just having a bit of an itch in the night. She said, being young and innocent, I literally said to myself, oh well, get dressed and forget about it. And it was only years later that it popped up again. I got a chill when I read a book that said scratch marks that suddenly occur can possibly be the sign of spirit possession or spirit attack. Memories flooded back and I went a little cold. Only because it was Halloween and we'd just gone to see a viewing of The Exorcist. She said, this is the God's honest truth. No frills, just how it happened. Maybe it's nothing. Just my overactive imagination. But those scratches were bleeding. They bloody hurt and they were real. 
Now, three strategies can mean many things depending on what internet expert you contact. Many people believe the scratches are witch marks, demonic scratches, an attacking entity, or even an angry ghost or spirit. I think they're probably all of those things. And I think there are far more beings out there than most folk realise. I've taken reports to three scratches from UFO abductees, people who've experienced paranormal events. And in one case, a man walking home through the woodland one night, he was hit by a tremendous force, knocked off his feet, and the scratches left very deep bruises on his upper chest and shoulder. He had three deep gashes that looked, for all the world, like the mark of a werewolf. I'm in contact with a lady in Blyfield in Daventry, who is suffering what I would describe as an entity intent on feeding. Each morning she wakes up more tired than the last. She has no memory other than vivid, vile, lucid dreams, each more horrifying than the last. She wakes shaking and crying and constantly fighting an invisible force. Her clothes are often on incorrectly and on the odd occasion she's awoken completely bare when the night before she had flannel pyjamas on. She will find bruises and scratches on her arms, legs and back, always in threes. The wounds are sore and fresh and on viewing her arms she resembles the victim of a ferocious attack. She was very resistant to help as she feels whatever it is that drains her will only find another victim to plague. She called it the Incubus. And when we last spoke, she was as manic as ever. I'm hoping, in time, I can give her some protection strategies that will help bring an end to a living nightmare. And next, we have a very strange tale that appeared in the Alien Expanse magazine. And it featured a creature who killed its prey with one single bite to the sternum. The Welsh countryside is filled with centuries of myths and legend, but one such mysterious creature has baffled locals and wildlife experts for a number of decades now. The monster of Ray Adair, as it's known, terrorised the mid-Wales town in 1988. The mystery has never been solved. Although the evidence is clear, something was slaughtering animals and livestock at night. Many people attributed the death to a domestic dog or a big cat. The problem in this case is that the monster did not kill in the way that a big cat or a dog normally would. Large cats will invariably kill by biting uh, the thorax on the throat or by tearing it out. And it's usually an asphyxiating death. Dogs leave many bites on their prey, a messy crime scene usually. By comparison, the animals killed during these attacks were slaughtered by a single deep bite to the sternum. Stranger still, the animals were surrounded by circular tracks of flattened grass, as if a very large predator had circled the animal several times before killing it. These tracks led off into the distance and when followed, they led to the banks of a nearby river. This led some to speculate that it might be the work of a river monster. Hunting dogs were brought in, but they were unable to trail any scent very far. No paw prints, hair 
or other evidence was ever found. What I find most strange is that none of the animals had been eaten and they were viciously killed, but their bodies were left untouched other than the original fatal injury. Now, this is definitely not the work of a normal predator. A predator, after all, is out for a meal. Even humans have been blamed for these kills. I don't know any human who could have the strength to hold their prey up long enough to inflict the deadly bite. What human has a jaw or teeth that could do this? Whatever this creature was, I'm glad I never met it. Now, paranormal reports are on the increase in Wales and the police have actually made reports of their own. Um, people have seen them in gardens, in homes, in uh, one area called Clendering Dodd, Wells, there was a series of paranormal events after seeing a ghost in the garden. And of course, not all ghosts and creatures are paranormal beings are horrifying. Some are very down to earth. Sometimes just going about the motions as if on automatic pilot. Almost as if the ghost is just reliving an event from their past. We have many castles here in the UK and one famous one is Barnard Castle and it's known for its spooky reports. And one chap said, the first time something weird happened was when me and the wife were doing a seven mile circular walk near Barnard Castle in North Yorkshire. We were walking on a high, thin, grassy patch of land and we noticed a father and his son coming towards us. As they drew near, we could see they were carrying old wicker baskets and were dressed in old clothes. I would say 1900 style. When we walked past them, there was no eye contact made. The wife said good morning, but they walked straight past us, looking down into the valley below. We walked another 30 seconds and we both looked at each other and said, that was strange. And we both looked back and they'd gone. And there was nowhere they could go. It was very weird. And as you can imagine, this is not the only ghost story associated with Barnard Castle or the land that surrounds it. Over the decades, people have reported seeing Lady Anne Day at Barnard Castle. One legend says she's being tossed into the river by her murderer, reliving her deathly plummet, as it was said she was tossed over the parapet. In another version, it's said that Lady Day died of natural causes, and a ghost would be seen at night wearing a red cloak and she crossed the river, possibly sitting on the shoulders of her husband, Roger. And it's said that Anne's husband also returned as a ghost and took up residence at the Friar House. The occupants did not appreciate Roger, their phantom lodger, so it's said that he was banished by priests. Less than a half a mile away from the castle sits Deerbolt, which is a young offenders institute. And in 2014, it was reported that the lighting was switched on and off numerous times when all the inmates were in their cells. One night, two rubbish bin lids were found spinning on the floor in the kitchen area and the event was spotted on CCTV. The area was locked down instantly by the member of staff who spotted the lid spinning as he feared that an offender had gotten loose. But on fact, 
You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Finding nobody on the kitchen block, he scrolled back on the CCTV footage, which clearly showed the lids flying off the bins unaided. Now, the northeast of England has a wealth of spooky tales and paranormal experiences, not just at Barnard Castle. Everything from Bigfoot to mermaids is reported in this area. So it's of no surprise when we hear of a report made by a couple who saw a number of ghostly monk-like figures in the Rothby area. I have to admit, anything that's cowled when it shows itself, it worries me. I often feel we're dealing with ancient energy as old as time, like the Dryads and the Druids long gone. They too would be seen hooded and their faces hidden from the other villagers. Many a modern monk is reported in an area as old as time when the witnesses say they were like monks or holy men and they were robed. Our 21st century brain takes us straight to the men from the abbeys that we're familiar with. I don't think that's always the case. Some of these cowled robed figures are tied to the ground in certain areas sometimes for punishment, duty, and sometimes enslaved by ancient intent. They can be guardians, gatekeepers, or your worst nightmare. And they can also be energy feeders, looking for human victims. A well-known Rothbury businessman was driving home after an evening in Alnwick. It was about one in the morning, and it was dark, and the weather wasn't too good. There was a bit of light drizzle as he crossed the moors. Visibility was okay and he made good time. His route took him over the new moor crossroads and up the hill and over the moors towards Rothbury and drive down towards town. As he passed Debden Pit Cottage and entered the woods, a mist appeared which swirled through the trees as he slowed down. A good decision given that visibility had dropped to only a few yards. Crawling along as slow as he could, he was peering through the windscreen he saw a movement in the mist ahead and he stopped. And just in front of the car was a line of figures moving slowly out of the woods and down the road. There were probably about a dozen or so of them, but he could not make out any details. 
He said the figures seemed to be wearing long, dark coats with coals or hoods and their face could not be seen. They shuffled down the road and disappeared into Craigside. And he continued slowly to Rothbury. And just as he passed Humbleton Lake, the mist lifted. And after that, it was all plain sailing and he made it home without further incident. He never mentioned this story again until he read that some years later, someone else in the village claimed to have seen a band of soldiers armed with pikes marching down Cemetery Bank towards the bridge. But the mystery remains. If we travel to the south of the UK, there's an event that I feel was also ancient in nature. These days, most people do not recognise the earthworks or formations of our ancient sites. We often walk into areas that mean nothing to us, but they were as important as Stonehenge at one time here in the UK. One report made by a man who worked for the RAC really stayed with me after reading it. Blackberry Hill, tree limbs thrown. Terry E from Bridlington said, this is my account of strange events that happened to me one November day in 1969. At the time, I was an RAC patrolman and I worked in Devon. And on that particular day, I had left Sidmouth and I was heading towards Seaton around 12.30. I had sandwiches and a flask of coffee and he decided to stop for my lunch. On the main road, I'd seen an old wooden sign pointing down a side road and it read, Blackberry Castle, Prehistoric Hill Fort. And I thought that could be a nice place to have my lunch. So I turned my van off the main road and I headed for Blackberry Castle. The road twisted and turned and it just got narrow as it climbed upwards. Eventually it levelled off, but then I came to a gate across the road and it just blocked any further progress. I turned the van round to face the way I'd come and I parked up. Getting out of the van, looking to my right, there was an expanse of tall, slender bear trees which were spread quite wide apart. On the far side of these trees appeared to be a drop. It was deathly quiet, with not even a breath of wind. And above the trees, a total grey November sky. And this gave the whole place a rather eerie feel. I decided to cross through the trees to see if the fort was on the other side. A small embankment or mound led to the woodland floor that was covered in dead leaves from the empty branches above. Walking across them, the silence was broken as my boots crunched into the foliage. On reaching the other side and after climbing another embankment, I found a field sloping slowly away below me, but still no sign of any fort. The silence has returned as I turned to survey the woodland. And it was at that moment I realised the trees were in a sort of oval arrangement. It also dawned on me that the embankment surrounded the trees and that every so often there was a gap in the grassy mounds. I almost wanted to laugh out loud at my own stupidity. I'd been looking for a proper fort, but the word I'd forgotten was prehistoric. I was standing on a hill fort, a fort from a time when men used earth mounds as defences, and the gaps were entrances. And all at once, it made sense. As I turned to my right, looking towards the other side of this fort, I heard a slight whooshing sound from behind me, and then a clear, solid thud. I spun in round in time to see a thick branch of wood 
which was still rolling down from where it had landed just four or five feet from me. At first, I thought it had just fallen from a tree above, but there wasn't a breath of wind that seemed very unlikely. Could it be that some kids were hiding behind the trees and they'd thrown it? My eyes scanned the thin trees, but they were too slender to hide behind. And as I'm standing in there, whoosh, thump, another log hit the ground. Once again, quite close to me. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up and a shiver went through my body. I was certain if a person had thrown that one, I would have seen them. They would need to be close enough to avoid hitting the other trees, which would have meant exposing themselves to me and also the logs were not small. Someone throwing them would make some sound stepping on the leaves. Plus the effort it'd take to hurl such an object, that can't be done silently. At that moment, I felt real fear. My eyes had penetrated every part of the trees and I was convinced there was no living being present. I decided it was best to leave this place as soon as possible. I started back, crunching across the dead leaves as I left, but after two or three strides, another log hit the ground. I faltered for a second and looked back. There was no person in any direction. I picked up my pace, but before I could reach my van, two more logs had missed me by inches. Approaching the vehicle, I fumbled to get my keys from my pocket. I hadn't bothered to lock the door, so I jumped in. My heart was beating like a hammer. And as the engine burst into life, I looked back towards the thin trees and there was not a soul to be seen. But even as I hurriedly moved away, there was a loud bang on the roof of the van, closely followed by another. And as I looked in the wing mirror, I saw a log fall from the roof. I didn't stop for probably two or three miles where I met a main road again. I turned off the engine and I sat for a few minutes. I had to try to gather my nerves and thoughts. Was it for real? Had it really happened? I tried to rationalise everything, going over it slowly in my mind. At that moment, I needed to prove it to myself. I climbed out and looked at the roof of the van and there, were two quite distinct dents where logs had been thrown by unseen hands and they'd landed on my roof. A total of seven logs were thrown at me while coming close, none actually hit me. So could it have just been a diversion maybe to scare me away? I don't suppose I'll ever know, he said. But if that was the purpose, it certainly had the desired effect. He went on to add, I can only imagine something had returned from the past a time when a log of wood was a weapon, something that saw me as a threat to its community. Perhaps some kind of window through time had opened, enabling some spirit to come back for a brief moment on that cold, grey and windless November day. I can tell you, I thought long and hard for a rational explanation, and I can find none. I would go back to Blackberry Castle, but on a bright, sunny day, and even then, not alone. One area in the UK that feels ancient is the beautiful and desolate Isle of Orkney, an area steeped in legend and lore. Fairy folk and kelpies abound, and trolls and little folk hide in the rocky ground, and sirens sing to handsome sailors in order to lull them into their depths. One of the most remarkable places to visit is Orkney, 
Um, and there is a Stone Age village there of Scarabray, it's called, which was hidden away and perfectly preserved in a sand dune until it was found in 1850. Now, on the sandy shores of the Bay of Scale stands a majestic scale house, and it's one of Orkney's finest mansions, and it's surrounded by thousands of years of history. Built in the grounds of a Neolithic settlement at Scarabray, Scale House sits on land inhabited for over 5,000 years. It's said that it could be built on top of an ancient Pictish burial ground, which could be why there have been so many sightings of ghostly figures in empty rooms and odd occurrences like the sudden waft of cigarette smoke or perfume in the air. There's one particular spirit that most intrigues visitors to the scale. Now, the present laird swears that he and his dog heard footsteps late one night when he was doing some work on the house. His dog raised her hackles and barked loudly, and she ran out of the room. But there was no one there. And this presence has been attributed to a ghost known as Ubby, who many years ago built a small island in the middle of Scale Loch by rowing out and dropping stones, which can be still seen there today. He's reputed to have died out there, and now he haunts the wing of the house where he once lived. There have been other sightings in the main house by both visitors and staff alike. One employee reports she saw the reflection of a man in the shop, but when she went through to serve him, there was no one there. And she said, he was a tall man with dark hair, which was going thin on top. It was not my imagination. The house was searched, but found to be completely empty. In another story, a visitor claimed that she had a question about the house and she'd spoken to a gentleman about it. And she'd raised that to a member of staff in the gun room. But the member of staff said there were no males working that day. There have also been many strange sounds, doors opening and closing of their own accord and even smells. Malcolm McCrae, the owner of Scale House, reports that he was in the attic office and there was a smell of fresh cigarette smoke. And both he and an employee commented on it, but could not find the source of the smell. This is a familiar tale, as you know. The one thing that is certain is that there are skeletons under the floorboards at Scale. During preparation of Scale House for its opening to the public, 15 skeletons were discovered south of the south wing and under the gravel in front of the east porch. Radio carbon dating showed these skeletons to be Norse. Prior to this, skeletons were found under the flagstone in the main hall when it was lifted to be replaced by oak flooring in the 20th century. At that time, the bodies were put back carefully and they remain there to this day. We now know that they are part of a Norse graveyard. Many of our ancient halls, castles, priories or stately homes have grouped some stories in their history. Many also contain the bones of people imprisoned in dungeons below or hung in cages, interned in walls or grounds. Many of the homes insist that the bones or skulls stay as they were found, as often great misfortune or abject terror will follow their removal. The Screaming Skull when Sir Henry Griffiths built Burton Agnes Hall, he had no idea that it would become his daughter's final resting place. But his daughter Anne was so taken with the building that she couldn't bear to be parted from it. Just 10 years after it was completed, she took a fateful journey 
to St Quintin's at Harpoo and she was robbed and attacked on the road. And although gravely injured, she made it home to the hall, but sadly she died just days later. Before her death, Anne told her sisters that she would never rest unless part of her remained in the beautiful home. And when she died, they didn't listen and she was buried in the churchyard. So her ghost returned to haunt them. Night after night, raps would resound around the hall, terrifying its residents. Traumatised, they consulted a vicar and opened Anne's grave to bring her skull inside the house. When it was interred with the house, all the activity stopped. So long as the skull remains undisturbed, the hall remains peaceful and Anne keeps her distance. Now, the screaming skull of Wardley Hall sits between Swinton and Walkden on the A6, and it's made up of just a few houses, a stud farm, fields and countryside. If you blinked, you'd miss it. But it does have one infamous resident known as the Screaming Skull. The area is one I know well, the house containing the skull, so it's opposite my family home. Kids around there would grow up hearing stories of the wailing skull and how mishap would happen if it was moved. There are local reports of lights in the woodland that runs alongside the house, wood knocks and quick running figures, and one local burglar went straight, he said, after he was tripped as he was trying to empty the premises by something unseen. Now, the local story says the skull belonged to Father Ambrose Barlow. He was hung, drawn and quartered in 1641. His head was then put on display for all to see in Manchester before being entombed in the house of the Archbishop of Salford. And the skull was lost in history for a while and then rediscovered in the 18th century by the owner of the house. One day, a servant found the skull and threw the grisly relic into the moat, whereupon there was a terrible storm that led the owner of the hall to believe the skull was venting its wrath at being removed. He had the moat drained and the skull was returned to its position. From traditional stories, the skull seems to be indestructible, as it is said that it's been buried, burned and smashed into pieces, only to be found outside the hall the next day, wearing its eternal grin. An attempted break-in in the hall was filed by one of the many ghosts said to reside there. In the 1990s, one man decided to break into the kitchen area, believing the hall to be empty. He said he felt creeped out and the second he stepped a foot in the woodland, he felt followed by something hiding in the tree line. The closer he got to the hall, the more creeped out he felt. At one point, he was convinced it was the water bailiff from one of the nearby stock ponds. But feeling a tap on his shoulder made him trip up and he became terrified. He turned around to face his captor, only to be confronted by nothing. He said, I couldn't get out of there quick enough and I've never been back since. In the 1990s, an invitation to a family party left a lasting impression on a young man who attended and stayed the night. He was one of the last to go to bed as he had to go to sleep in the lounge outside and he was woken by the noise of children playing and giggling from the lane outside the house. The house itself is on the site of the old mart where bodies were stored before being taken down to the cemetery. In cold weather, the deceased could be housed there in that ice house until the ground was soft enough to dig. The house is also on the lane where the screaming skull and Wildley Hall sits. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's stories. 
Have a wonderful evening. And remember, the veil is very thin tonight. So if anything strange happens, you might only have yourself to blame. <laughs> Until next time. Good night, everyone. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.